Our study this, this, uh, this month has been walking with God. And we, we went last week and we talked about how um, it's a journey, not a destination yet. We're, we're headed towards a destination, but right now we're in a journey. Amen. That's what God has called us to, is to walk with him in a journey. Amen. And uh, when we look at Scripture, we see that that is something that is, that is throughout all of Scripture about this concept of walking with God. Genesis 5.22, it says, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. That means he didn't die. He was, he was in a model, rapture, taken out of this world. That's what walking with God will help you to do. It will take you out of this world. This world is going crazy. I don't know if you've noticed, it's just going crazy. There's so much division and hate and, and just craziness. Uh, a lack of the truth, a lack of loving the truth, and all kinds of other crazy things going on. I am looking for the coming of the Lord. Amen. And God has called us to walk with Him. And we're going to look at what that means today. What does it mean to walk with God? What are the benefits of walking with God? I want to just go over some of the things we, we, we covered last week just to bring you uh, back into a, a, a frame of mind where you're, we're all on the same page. Amen. There were three words we talked about. We hear this word thrown around all the time, holiness and be holy. And then the other word was um, sanctification. And the last word was profane, or we, where we get the word profanity from. And we talked about the meaning of those three words. Holiness in the Hebrew is Kodesh, and sanctification is Kadesh, and profane is Chalal. And what we talked about was that holiness is the destination. We, are, we can't make ourselves holy, but what we can do is separate ourselves from things that drag us down, things that get into our spirit, things that take away from life. And that is the process of sanctification. Sanctification just means separation. God will do the rest, but there is some things that are on us. We can separate ourselves from negativity, from, from influences that are not good for us. And we all know that, don't we? Amen. We know, we know certain people we hang around with are, are not just any good for our spirit. Amen. And that's the process of sanctification. It's a journey towards holiness. Amen. We, we are supposed to be a little bit better than we were last year, able to handle a little bit more things than we could the year before. I remember some things that would make me shake and panic today uh, because I've been through some things. They don't, you know, get me in such a panic. I told you my testimony. They sent me a huge bill about three years ago from the state for like $12,000. And, you know, years ago that would have... Um, that would have, uh, you know, made me really get into a panic, but I didn't even worry about it. And, you know, God took care of it. He's a great God. He is an awesome God. He's an awesome God. So what we can do, we can't make ourselves holy, but we can sanctify ourselves. That means step away from some things. Separate ourselves from people, from situations, from places, from images, from stuff that gets inside our soul and takes away from our relationship, our walk with God. And then the word profane, the original meaning of that word was just common. Anything that was so common, it wasn't special. 
God wants you and you and you to be special. You, the Bible says you are a chosen generation, a peculiar people, supposed to be called out. The priests in the Old Testament were special. They were, they were specially chosen. Not anybody could just walk into the tabernacle. Only if you were of the tribe of Levi, only if you had been anointed, you were special. That means you had to treat yourself as special. I told you last week that uh, certain people, celebrities, when they get stopped by the police, you know what they say? Do you know who I am? When you get stopped by the devil, you know what you're supposed to say? Do you know who I am? Because you're supposed to be special. You're a child of the king. But most of us, we've got the devil telling us all kinds of stuff that we're nothing and nobody. And we believe it. We need to get like some of them celebrities like, and, and tell the devil, do you know who I am? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm a child of the king. I'm not just somebody. See, if, you, if you're not special, then you're profane. That means common. Nothing special, just one in a crowd. But I tell you what, if you're a child of the king, you are special, you are unique. You have angels that are deputized to guard over you. Did you know that? I mean, there have been so many times when I, I, I was late for something and I just missed an accident. You know, I got frustrated, but the Lord knew what he was doing. Amen. He was taking care of me. He was, he was making sure that I wasn't get, uh, getting into trouble because... We are someone special. We're not supposed to be profane. That means common and, 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 and cheap, but unique and valuable. There is not another person like you on the planet, even if you're a twin. Anyone here is a twin? Well, <laughs> and I keep getting them mixed up. Amen. I keep getting them mixed up. It's, it's terrible. Amen. Uh, I send one money that I should have sent to the other. <laughs> <laughs> that happened this week. Oh, it's terrible. But you know, God knows who you are. Amen. Even if you're a twin, you are unique. Do you know God takes trouble to make every single snowflake different? Scientists have studied hundreds and thousands of snowflakes, and they've come to the conclusion that every single snowflake is unique. Now think about that. There must be trillions and trillions of snowflakes that fall. And God goes to that much trouble because he wants you to know that you are special. He says, not even the, a sparrow falls to the ground that your heavenly father doesn't. Sometimes the devil wants you to think that you're a nobody. And God has forgotten you and your situation. But I'm here today to tell you that the next time you get into trouble, you need to speak up and say, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know, devil, who I am? Amen. That's what we got to tell Satan. Amen. If we continue walking with God, then the end result is holiness. God declares us holiness, holy. We can't make ourselves, but we can start the journey. The end result of defilement, that is going in the opposite way, is that we become common. We become profane. We become worthless because we have devalued our worth in God's eyes and in our own eyes. And we talked about that sanctification comes through, through the Spirit. We really can only start that journey when we have God's Spirit truly to help us. Because the Bible says that when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, what will He do? Lead you. That means on your journey. 
That doesn't mean you can't start walking to God before you're filled. But truly, to get to the end of the journey, to get to a place of holiness, we do need God's Spirit. He said, if you have not my Spirit, then you're what? Now, I didn't make that up. That's what he said. That may sound harsh, but it's just like, if you don't have my DNA, you're not my son. (laughs) You know, God is going to do a paternity test. A lot of people are going to claim that they're his child. But he's got the greatest paternity test. He's going to say, do you have my spirit? He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You know, there's a lot of um, people who try and claim that they're the child of some rich person because of the benefits. You know, oh yeah, I'm, I'm so-and-so's child. And there's been some people who have gotten away with it until the, some testing has come forth. But God knows who is his. Amen. But if we're truly born again, born of the water and of the spirit, then we can tell Satan, do you know who I am? The Bible says he's given us the right to call him Abba, Father. When I pray personally, that's that's the way I pray. I always say Father. I always start of Father because that's who he is to me. My earthly father is no longer around. He was a great father. He he taught me well. He He raised me to love God. But he's not here right now. But always we will have our Heavenly Father. Maybe you never had a mother or father in your life the whole time, but I'm telling you today, you can be adopted in to the family of heaven. Amen. And I quoted this scripture last, last week. I said, this scripture in Hebrews 10, 14, it says, For by one offering, meaning Jesus' sacrifice, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, the devil is telling me, you're nothing. You know how you mess up. You know how useless you are. You know all your flaws and and your failures. And if I was to stay at that place looking at myself, I would be frozen like a deer in headlights. Because I know, as, as, as Paul said, there is no good thing in me. You know, I'm flesh. I want to do what pleases my flesh. Right? What pleases my flesh? The Bible says in the world is the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the pride of life, and what's the other one? Lust of the eyes. That's what my flesh wants. Stuff that makes me feel good when people tell me, oh, you're great. Ooh, that feels so good when people tell you that. Oh, you're talented. You know, it just, it, you can't help it. And you listen to that stuff, get in your spirit, it'll destroy you. But here's, here's what God is saying. He can make you perfect. That's why the scripture says, looking unto Jesus. If we look unto Jesus, we won't be looking at ourselves. And by faith, he can declare us perfect. For by one offering, that is when Jesus died, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And here's a principle I said last week, which is an awesome principle. The Bible says about God, That once you're on the journey, he calls those things that are not as though they are. So he can look at horrible me with my faults and failures and he can declare me perfect. Because he's looking as if I have finished the journey. Even though I just took one foot on the way. Because God calls those things that are not. Because he can see the future and he declares us perfected. Amen. If we will make that step of sanctification... He can declare us perfect. 
I don't know about you, but that's, that's what gives me hope and some joy is the fact that God can declare me perfect, even though in my flesh, in my reality, I, I, I've got all kinds of hang-ups. <laughs> I've got some things that I, I know about, plus the things I don't even realize. But when I start looking at him instead of me, amen, he, his glory can blind so that all I can see is him. The Bible says Adam and Eve were naked, but they didn't know it. Why? Because they were just looking at Jesus. They were blinded by his glory. It's only when they lost that that they suddenly realized they were naked. Then they realized their imperfections. And they ran away and hid. Because that's what devil will make us do. He'll make us run away and hide. But if we will just trust God, amen. Sanctification is of the Spirit or through the Spirit. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That, that just gives me such joy. Amen. And so we, we studied how that it was a journey. Leviticus 11.44. As I said, we can't make ourselves holy, but we can sanctify ourselves. And all that means is separate ourselves. There's some things I could separate some more that I, I do. I tend, to, I tend to, to watch too much news. <laughs> I confess. And most of it is really depressing, isn't it? You know, uh, and it, that may get into your spirit and, and, and even make you fearful. You know, there's some things I, I could do better. I could separate myself. It says in Leviticus 11.44, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy. There it is. You sanctify yourself, and I will make you ho- I'll declare you holy. I will call you holy. Because God has that power. Amen. He calls those things that are not as though they be. Amen. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God gave the Jews all of these dietary laws, not because he just wanted to be awkward, but he wanted to make them as a nation stand out. That people looked at them and said, you guys are peculiar. You're different. You don't eat certain things. Not because he's, he's against necessarily certain things, but he wanted them to have some things that made them stand out, that made them different. Is there anything about you that makes you stand out and makes you different? Do you do the same things that everybody else around you do? You curse and drink and smoke and, you know. We have got to be a peculiar people, different, amen. So we read all of this and in Genesis 12, 1, here is the start of Abraham's journey. It says, now the Lord had said. And I, I just re- infer into that that it wasn't the first time. It took Abraham a little, little while to get going. Sometimes God has to speak to us and speak to us and speak to us before we actually obey him. It says, and the Lord had said. Amen. The Lord had said. It was a, there was a delay before he fulfilled what God had called him to do. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Okay, that was all review. That was all a a paraphrase of last week. Now, what I want to look at in detail, now the Bible speaks about walking with God. And what we want to look at this week is what does that mean to walk with God? Anyone want to walk with God? Because think about all the benefits of walking. It means you are protected. (laughs) No one is going to come and mess with you. 
Amen. It's be like if you were had a, the president, when he travels around, he's got like a squad. He's got about 50 cars behind him and three or four in front. And nobody's going to mess with the president because he's got a squad there. When we walk with God, we are covered. The Bible said, and underneath, amen, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide. Abide. So walking with God brings all kinds of benefits Amen. And we're going to study today what it means to walk with God. And first of all, I want to show you that this is not just something that is made up, but it's a principle from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Look at this. Of course, I read this first one, Genesis 5:24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Genesis 6:9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah did what? What does it say? Walked with God. And because of that, he was delivered from the flood. Then you get to Abraham, and God tells him, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Walking has some blessings. Wherever you walk, the Bible says it's going to be under your feet. The symbolism comes back all the way to Genesis when when he was speaking to the serpent, he says, yeah, you're going to, you may bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Amen. We get to stomp on the devil. You know how you do that? By walking. Every step you take on your Christian journey, you're putting one step further from where you came from. You're going one step closer to the goal of holiness and God's blessing and his plan for your life. Genesis 24, 40. And he, and I put in brackets, Abraham said unto me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee. This is, this is Eleazar, Abraham's servant. And he's gone to get Isaac a wife. And he's telling the fact about Abraham and the fact that he walks with God. And he says, and he said unto me, the Lord before whom I walk. I want to have that testimony. I want to be able to say the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee. When you walk with God, you are protected. You are covered. Amen. Hallelujah. And prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. So we've discussed Enoch, Noah, Abraham. And you'll see that Isaac's in there. But I'm going to cut to, to Jacob because Jacob now is on his deathbed and he's, he's blessing his sons. And he blessed Joseph and he said, God before whom my father's Abraham. And Isaac did walk. What a testimony. I'm thinking of my father and how all his life, he got saved when he was 16. And for all his life, it wasn't easy for him. It was far from easy. He had a, a really hard life. But I can truly say that he walked with God. He was my example. Amen. Isaac walked. So we see that this is a principle. If you're going to be close to God, you're going to have to learn to walk with him. And he will deliver you. So let's look what that means to walk with God. You know, we say it, but what does that mean to walk with God? Is it just coming to church on a Sunday morning? No. There's a lot more to walking with God than saying it, right? Let's look at some scriptures. Deuteronomy 11.22 For if he shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you, to do them. This is God speaking through Moses. To love the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways. This is what walking with God is. 
is walking in his ways. The Bible said we were created in his image and his likeness. So that if we are created in his image and his likeness, then we should be like him. Amen? Especially if we're born again, we should be like him. You know, uh, I hate my voice. I can't listen to myself. And, uh, which is bad because sometimes I, and I hope my brother isn't listening. (laughs) But we sound alike. I find myself laughing like him and I don't like how he laughs. And I find myself sounding just like him. So forgive me, Jeremy, if you're listening. We are of the same blood and I can't escape it. That's how I am. But that's how we should be with God. We should, if we're truly growing like him, we, our mannerisms, our way, our, our things that we like, what God likes, we should like. What God hates, we should hate. Amen. That's what it says to walk in all his ways. And to cleave, cling to him. That's what God has called us to, to walk in his ways. Deuteronomy 28, 9. And the Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself that he unsworn unto thee. If, and here's the if, it's conditional. There is a condition. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Now we're getting to understand that walking in his ways means that we're going to obey him, that we we want to be like him, we want to be like Jesus, we want to be be, um, perfect, we can't do it in ourselves, but we can start the journey, we can forsake some things that we know are negative in our life, we can forsake some people, God said to Abraham, you got to leave your family, because they were all idol worshippers, they, they worshipped false gods, you can't take them with you, there's some people you can't take with you. Our relationship with God is personal. Just because my father did good, that that won't save me. I have to have a one-on-one relationship. You have to have a one-on-one relationship. You can't because grandma took you to church and she was a good soul. No, that's not going to work. You're going to have to have a a one-on-one relationship with God. You need to have that relationship because he's going to ask you, do I know you? (laughs) Do I know you? We have, to, we have to be able to claim kinship. We have to be able to tell God, tell that, that, that devil, do you know who I am? I am the son of God. I'm a daughter of the king. Amen. I have been born again. I have been renewed. I have been adopted. I have been made a joint heir. Now, I don't know how many of you have got an inheritance, an earthly inheritance, but if not, you can have a heavenly inheritance. The Bible says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard what God hath got in store for them that love him. Amen. You know, some people go crazy um, when they are on these game shows. They come on down and they go crazy. <laughs> they haven't won anything yet. They've just been called. They may not win anything, but they go crazy. And, you know, God has said, come on down. People think we're crazy, but they don't understand. They just don't understand what that means when God says, I have chosen you. I have called you. I love you. I want you to be my child. Amen. I'm adopting you. I'm laying my hand of blessing upon you. All you have to do is start your journey. 
and I declare you perfect. Amen. Joshua 22, verse 5 says, But take diligent heed to do the commandment of the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways. Walk in all... You know the title that the church was called before they were called Christians? People of the way. They were not called Christians initially. They were called people of the way. Next week I'm going to be talking about it a little bit more. But the first term for uh, the early church was people of the way. Because, why was that? Why do you think they were called people of the way? Because they were doing something different. They were going in a completely different direction. They weren't following the crowd. You know, there's this thing, and I talked about it, peer pressure. And I almost put it in this Bible study, but they've done many studies. They had this, they had this race, and they had like nine uh, men on the track, and all, all eight of them were in on the, on the uh, setup, but one of them wasn't. And they would fire the gun, and they'd all start, and they'd all run about 100 feet, then they'd all stop, eight of them, and turn around to see what the one guy who would do who wasn't in on it. And nearly everybody, they would run and then they would see the other people going out and they'd stop and start running after them. When they caught them, the whole group turned. And all they did was keep following. But there was one guy, he didn't look back. As soon as the gun, he just kept going. Even when he met them around the other side, he didn't care. Don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm running my race. <laughs> you can't be looking at what other people are doing. Because they'll make you lost. They may not know the way either. You know, you, sometimes you ask people in, in, for directions, and they're as lost as you. <laughs> uh, last, week Sunday, last week Sunday, we left here. We went up to the, to the campground up in Schwano. And I didn't realize how much I'd got attached to GPS in my phone. So we, we found the campground, which is way out in the boonies in the middle of a Shano County. And I realized when it got down to one bar that we wouldn't have any phone or anything. So that was fine getting there. But after the service was finished, we had to go to this other little town to get a hotel. And it was pitch black, and I left the campground, and I missed the turn. <laughs> and suddenly I realized we don't know where we are. Phone is not working. There is no map. And it's pitch black in these little, not a place to break down. So we just kept on driving and driving and driving. I said to my wife, eventually we gotta hit, we'll hit a major road. So we, we just kept on. It took us about an hour, which should have been like maybe 15 minutes. And we drove maybe 20 or 30 miles in a big circle. So the next day, you know what we did? We bought a map. <laughs> when last have you bought a map? <laughs> When last have you bought a map? We bought a map because this place was, you know, you get so attached. You forget. We went to a place where there was no GPS, no nothing. You see, there are some things that you have to have your spiritual God positioning system. You have to have that God positioning system in tune. Now, it, it, it won't, you won't hurt its feelings too much. You know, if you ignore the GPS, you know what it says? Recalculating. 
recalculate. You keep ignoring it. You keep, it says turn left and you go past. It will say, re- God will keep reaching out to you. He'll say, listen, okay, all right. You missed that turn. But if you will stay plugged in, if you will listen to his voice, the God positioning system will get you back in the way. In fact, the scripture says, this is the way. Walk in it. As I said, early Christians weren't called Christians. They were called the people of the way. Because there was something about them that was different, that was unique, was peculiar, right? They're, even their rejoicing, their manifestations, of course, on the day of Pentecost, they accused them of being drunk. Psalms 84.11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. When you're walking uprightly, God will make sure that you don't fall into the ditch. Amen. Or that there will be a quick rescue. God has made some promises to them that walk uprightly. He has made some promises to them that walk uprightly. You know, um, when I was working on this last night, a song came to me that they used to sing in the old, old time Pentecost. So I thought thought I would um, play it for you. I thought I would play this for you because I just kind of had a, went to bed late, but I was just rejoicing on this song. And uh, let's see if we can uh, play this for you here. None can walk up there. There's a highway to heaven. Walking in the king's highway. There is a highway to heaven. And walking with God is unique. It's not, it's not a multiple choice. It's not all roads lead to Rome. It's not like that. Some people think any road leads to God. Any religion leads to God. Any belief leads to God. But that's not how it is. No, there is only one way. Jesus said so. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many go there, but narrow, straight, meaning tight. It's, and few there be that find. You should be glad today that you have heard the truth, that you know the king's highway. That you have the opportunity to know the king's highway. Isaiah 35 
and verse 8. And this is where that song is based on. It says, And an highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed. Let's say that together. But the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You know, maybe instead of being called Christians, we should be go back to the original title, People of the Way. In fact, that would be a good thing to say when people say, what are you? I'm, I'm a people of the way. <laughs> They'd go, what? That would be a good conversation starter. And I'd tell them, did you know that Christians weren't called Christians back when the church started? They were called people of the way. Because people thought they were going a different way. Amen. This is what I'm talking about. Walking with God sometimes is a lonely experience. Sometimes it's just you and God. But you know what? Anyone with God constitutes the majority. If you have God, you don't need anything else. Truly. Now, when I was young, of course, I wanted all kinds of things. I wanted to get married. I wanted all that stuff. But I've learned since then that there is only really one thing that's important. Your relationship with God. If you have that, you have everything. And a highway shall be there in a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Now, holiness, it makes it sound like you're being a goody uh, two-shoes or how they call it. That's not what it's about. It's not that I'm perfect or some I'm better than you know. That's not what it's about. It's that I want a relationship with the King of Kings. I want to know my Father. You know, they found that people who have been um, adopted as babies, when they grow up, they have this urge to go find their birth parents. Even though they know that you know, they didn't have any part of this. There's this, 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 this urge to go find out, to see who it is they came from. I have this urge to go see who it is I came from. Amen. I want to know him. Paul said that I may know him and, and the power, amen, of his what? Resurrection, amen. I want to know him because I want to know who my father is because I want to be. The Bible says when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's not multiple ways to God. You know, there's what's called an ecumenical movement, which says everybody's belief is equal. You know, everybody's truth is all right. But logic and, and, and science says that's, that doesn't work. You know, one and one is still two, whether you believe it or not. Uh, you can say it's three or four or five, but your, your, your math will not work. Amen? There is an absolute truth, and his name is Jesus. See, we can end up walking the wrong way, being deceived, thinking we're okay, but there is only one highway. Jeremiah 7.23 says, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, 
that it may be well unto you. In Jeremiah's time, the people, the king had rebelled and was doing his own thing. And the prophet, God kept on giving Jeremiah messages for, for the people and they hated it. Because when people don't like truth, they will hate you. <laughs> they will hate you when you start telling them, you know, that's not right. When John the Baptist said to Herod, you can't have your brother's wife, he wasn't happy with that, had him arrested, eventually had him beheaded. When you start telling truth, look for opposition. See, there's all kinds of ways, but there's really only one way. There's only one way. When we were lost, we went all kinds of ways, but until we headed in the right way, we never got to where we were going. You know, we were so happy when we came back into a signal. Okay, all right, now it's showing where we're going. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the very next day I said, before we go back to the campground again, we're going to stop and do something I hadn't done in 25 years. Get a map. This is where we are. This is where we're going. <laughs> years and years ago, before a lot of you were born, when you were going along, you had to buy a, 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 a what's it, Mac, McNally's Atlas. and Yeah, and you'd have to plan your trip. You know, you'd have to plan your trip. I'm telling you, we have a Bible that it can plan your trip. That can plan your trip. That you don't have to be lost. You don't have to be walking in error. Amen. You don't have to be going in circles. That's what happened to the children of Israel. When they came the first time to the borders of Canaan, and they sent out the spies, and they came back and said, Ooh, there's giants in the land. We can't, we can't do this. And they forgot about what God had already done. God had destroyed the most powerful army on their behalf. God had let Pharaoh's men die in the Red Sea, yet let them cross over on dry land. Who had ever heard of such a thing? He had said, he had sent food fall from the sky. He had let their clothes be like it's dry cleaned every day. Their clothes never wore out. He had made water come out of a rock. You can understand why God must have been angry with them. Sometimes God is angry with us because we refuse to look at what he's already done. You know that song, Amazing Grace, it's, it says something like this. Grace hath brought me thus far and grace will. Sometimes we, 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 we come up against an obstacle in our life and we forget the great things God has already done. The Bible says that it wasn't God testing them. It was them testing God. They were testing his grace. They were t because just think about all the things he did for them. They had been slaves for 400 years. There was no way they were going to leave Egypt. None whatsoever. God, God did all these miracles, turn the Nile into blood, make it light over in Goshen and dark in Egypt. And it was like he did nothing. Like he did nothing. Most of all, he, he kept them for the two years, sorry, for the two months it took them to get from Egypt to Sinai. And, and, and then they suddenly said, well, nope, this is too big. God can't do this. You know, no wonder God was mad. And he said, okay, all right, all you people who who have seen my miracles and didn't believe, okay, you, you like living in the desert? Okay, you're just going to keep walking around in a circle. 
A lot of us are walking around in a circle. You know why? We refuse to believe what God can do and what he has already done. It must have hurt God. That's why I I try not to, to doubt God because when I start to think about the miracles he has done, big and small, even little things, you know, I, I told that little thing last week, but it wasn't that little to me at the time. Amen. He did a miracle for me. And the thing God loves is grateful people. You know, if someone is grateful, you're more inclined to help them the next time. But someone who is ungrateful, <laughs> you're not so inclined to be helpful to them the next time. They didn't even say thank you. They didn't even acknowledge that you you went out of your way for them. Let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a secret. God has gone out of his way for you. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? Jeremiah 13.10. This evil people, evil people he called them because now they're in the land. God has blessed them. God has destroyed all their enemies for them. Let them have the land. And now they're, they're, they're going after false gods. This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk, walk in the imagination of their heart. Sometimes we come to church, but we're not really here. <laughs> we're on Facebook somewhere else or wherever, Google, YouTube. The Bible says their lips... But their heart is far from me. You can walk in the wrong way in your thoughts. That's what this is saying. You know, they were going through the motions of worshiping Jehovah. But it says here, they walk in the imagination of their heart. They're really wanting to be over there. Man, if I could be at Summerfest this weekend. Church every Sunday. (laughs) Even doing Super Bowl. Even doing Super Bowl, man, I wish he would just hurry up and shut up. (laughs) Man, where could I be on such a beautiful day down by the lake? Ooh, that'd be so nice. You know, they're walking in their imagination, and God called them an evil people to serve them. They walk after other gods. You may say, well, I don't have no stone images in my house. Maybe not. Maybe it's a big screen you have. (laughs) That you sit and you you worship it, in other words. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a person. Amen? Don't get quiet now. (laughs) The Bible says they walked in their imagination, and God called them an evil people. To serve them and to worship them shall even be as this girdle which is good for nothing. Jeremiah 26, 4, And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, If he will not hearken, if he won't listen to me, to walk in my law which I have set before you. Then he goes on to say all the things are going to happen. And in fact, that's exactly what happened in Jeremiah's time. God got fed up after 490 years and he let the, the Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come and destroy the temple, destroy all the people, take them all captive because they refused to walk with God. After God you know, it, it, God would ignore the other nations because he hasn't done anything for them. But if you come to God, you give your life to God and then you withdraw after he's done all kinds of things for you, that's hurtful. 
You know, when you, when you pour your love on someone and you do all kinds of things, and then they hurt you. That's worse than if it's just a stranger. That's why Israel got punished. Because they were not supposed to be as they were his children. He had poured his love. He had blessed them. He had made them above all the other nations. He had, he had, he had put all kinds of promises on them. Right? And then they heard him. Is that us sometimes? After God has done such great things, and then we say, well, no, you can't do it. It's too, too much for you, God. It's beyond your capability. Do you know we hurt God? Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed. We grieve a lot of times because of our doubt. And I think probably the most hurtful thing as a parent is, to, is, is for your child to think that you don't love them. And behave like you don't care about them. Especially after you have, you have sacrificed and they don't even notice it. Think about that. We can walk in the wrong way. I'll show you another way of walking in the wrong way is through pride. And I've used this example before. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Everything that happened to him was only because God was using him. It was God's doing that his, his army was able to conquer everybody. But he thought it was him. That's why I don't like people giving me any compliments because it's not me. And, and, it, and God can take it just like that. God can cut things off just like that. I know, I know where God, I, my blessing comes from. It's not my work of my hands. It's totally God. And you know, one day after he had been warned, he had this dream and Daniel had warned him. He said, this, this is not a good dream. This is a warning. This, this dream is, is, is going to make your enemies happy because God is warning you, King Nebuchadnezzar, to just be careful and don't be so prideful. And a year later, he had forgotten that warning. And he went out on his palace and he folded his arms and he looked at the great city of Babylon. And he said, isn't this great Babylon that I have built? That I have built? You know... The Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That means I didn't have to do anything to be good at something. God, you know, if you're a basketball player and you're seven feet, there wasn't anything you did to be seven feet. So don't think it's because you're so hot stuff. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That's just God's sovereign choice. He made you talented physically or he made you... Uh, sing like an angel or he, you know. It, it doesn't mean that you have God's blessing. It just means you have God's gifting. So we can walk in the wrong way with pride. Man, I'm, I'm hot stuff. Man, I, I got to be up there. <laughs> when, when, when... It, when we went up to Shano, I didn't know they were going to do this. When we went up to Shano, but they were having the graduation for the Purpose Institute. So uh, Brother Peters, who's going to be preaching in our second service, he's the dean of the campus. So he saw me and he said, I'm so glad you're here, Brother Brown. We want you and all the instructors to come up front and, and be there and, and greet the, the graduation class as they come off the stage. So I got to go up there with the, with the board, with the district board and the superintendent and stand in the line and greet... Now, I could have, I was thinking, man, I don't want to go up there. <laughs> he said, no, you got to go up there. 
You know, it's, it's nothing to do with me. It's all God's grace. The Bible says that good works that he had prepared. Anything good you do, God already prepared you to do it. And it's just your use of what the Bible says, your, 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 your ordinary service. It's nothing special you're doing for God coming to church or singing or lifting your hand or clapping. But you know what? God was merciful even to Nebuchadnezzar. And after seven years, his mind came back to him. And now he acknowledged the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Bible says he sees the proud afar off. And it's one of the abominations of the seven abominations. Pride is one of them. Amen. Lord, preserve us from pride and thinking we're something special. If you want to, to look at an example of, of, of the opposite of that, of walking in humility, and we look at Daniel. You know, of, of the, in the Bible, there's only two people that has no negative things, that God has no negative things to say. And one of them is Daniel. He's used as an example of righteousness. In fact, the God says, even if Daniel, in one instance, he says, even if Daniel was here and he prayed, he could only save himself. He was using Daniel as an example of righteousness. But here's the thing about Daniel. He, he was innocent. He hadn't, there's nothing negative ever said in the Bible about him. But look at how he starts off his prayer. And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. And I said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Verse 5 is what I want to point out. You know what he says? We have sinned. Here's the man that prayed three times a day, even under threat of death. And what is he doing? He's humbling himself. He's saying, this is how we're supposed to walk, humbly. He says, we have sinned and have committed iniquity. And yet there is never any, any phrase in the Bible, God never once says anything negative about, and we have no story about anything negative about that. Now even Abraham, he lied. <laughs> he lied. He, told, he said his wife was his sister, right? You know? Uh, Isaac got fooled, fooled up. You know, you can look at every, every character, even David, who God calls a man after his own heart, did some terrible things. Terrible things. But the key was, even though they both sinned, it was that they were humble when they were confronted. When the prophet came to David and said, you know, you are the person, you're the one that did all of this. At first, David was all mad when he was told this, this story about this man who stole other people's sheep, and even though he was rich. And he says, okay, let's call down fire and judgment. <laughs> and then Nathan said, this story is about you. <laughs> You're the man. <laughs> now, David could have gotten all mad and in his emotions and in his self and said, who do you know? Don't you know I'm the king? But you know what he said? He repented. And he penned that beautiful psalm, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's why David was forgiven, because he, he knew how to walk 
humbly. On our Christian journey, we're going to fall sometimes. We're going to make mistakes. But when someone corrects us or helps us up, don't, don't get an attitude. Don't get an attitude. Be humble. Be like David. Create in me a clean heart. Say, Lord, forgive me. He says, we have sinned. This is Daniel. I and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly. You know what he's doing? He's having intercessory prayer on behalf of his whole nation. And he's putting himself in the place of Israel. And he says, we have sinned, done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk. Let's say it together, to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. This is how we walk humbly. The Bible says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. When you acknowledge God, when you give him the glory, then he's going to help you to know what the next step is. As I said, and I'm sorry to keep saying it, I prayed last week because I was going to be in a little bit of trouble. But God knew what he was doing, and he heard my prayer. He heard my prayer. You see, we have got to learn to walk in humility. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require. What doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. To walk humbly with thy God. What does God require? Let me read it again, O man. What is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly? That's what God requires. When we walk humbly, when we're struggling, God will help us. God will help us. If we walk with pride and say, I got this, I don't need any help. Heard someone say, nobody saved me. <laughs> nobody taught me. I, I got this, everything by myself. Okay, all right then. I guess Jesus wasted his time. <laughs> wasted his time on the cross for you. See, we have to walk not according to our ways. And I'm soon, I'm, I know this has been a long lesson. We're coming to the end soon. Walking in humility. And then the next thing is we got to walk towards the light. Psalms 119 says, thy word is a lamp. Unto my feet. Amen. In the New Testament, Jesus makes this point about walking in light. That means in truth. In truth. Then spake Jesus, John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Of life. John eleven nine. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. See, God is telling us, and Jesus in the New Testament stressed about walking in the light. The other scripture says that, sh that we, we, we go into a, a that shineth into a, a, a brighter and brighter day. We should be growing. What does a plant need to grow? Light. Light. You, you, you put it in darkness, you know what you get? You get fungus. It's only fungus that grows in darkness. And many of them are poisonous or hallucinogens, right? They're not necessarily good stuff. 
But plants that, that, that are, 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 are mostly healthy, they need light. Do you know you need God's light? You need God's light every single day. When you remove the light from plants, you know what they do? They start to shrivel up. And a plant will turn towards the light as it's growing. It's, it's, it's aimed this way and the light's over there. You come back and it's started to go this way. Even the plants know to look to the light. That's how we should be walking. I remember many, many years ago, I was in the, uh, the equivalent of the, the air cadets, and they took us out training to do survival stuff where they took you in the middle of nowhere, dropped you off with a compass, and, and you're supposed to, to chart your way back to the camp. But they're, they're also, you're, you're supposed to, it's like behind enemy territory, and they've got people trying to catch you, so you're supposed to survive. You're supposed to navigate and slip through the enemy lines. And now it's, it's, it's midnight, it's pitch black, and there's all kinds of critters in these woods and noises and all that kind of stuff. But they tried to trick us. You know what these, these people did? They lit a light. They lit a, a nice blazing fire to fool us to walk right into their trap. And a lot of people did that because they thought it was the camp, but it was the enemy camp. You see, when, when the devil wants to trick you, he will make it look all nice. The Bible says he transforms himself an angel of light. I hung back, so I heard when they got captured. <laughs> I wasn't the first one in line, so I was kind of trailing them to see what was going to happen. You know, because it looked so nice and we were all cold and wet and just wanted some food and some rest. And these people tricked, they made a nice big bonfire in the middle of this clearing and, and they didn't have to look for anybody. Everybody thought this was the camp and they walked right into it. I didn't get caught, but just because I was hanging back to see what, what was going to happen here. The devil will trick you. He will try and make it look so real, right? That's why you have to make sure that you are measuring what's being said with the vessel. The Bible says there was oil in the lamp and in the vessel. The lamp is the word of God. Amen. John 11.10 says this, But if any man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. John 12.35 says this, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. If you can't see where you're going, you're going to hit something. Amen. Now, I'm going to end with this little story here. And this is the, the story about after the resurrection, the disciples, two disciples, were on their way to this little town outside of Jerusalem about five miles. Now, there had been stories. A few people had seen Jesus, but not all of the disciples had seen Jesus. But I want to point out some things here. Luke 24, 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. They had been talking about Jesus coming and how they had believed he was the Messiah, and yet now he had been crucified. How could this be that he seemed to be the one, and yet he was crucified? And it came to pass, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that he have one to another as he walk and are so sad? 
And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Don't you understand this is a big news about how they arrested Jesus and crucified him? And he said unto them, What things? Jesus will ask you questions as if he doesn't know. Do you know that? Every time we, anyone asks Jesus a question, you know what he no, normally did? He turned it back. He asked them a question. Do you believe I can heal you? A lot of times it's up to us what we answer back. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. This was the day he resurrected. There's been reports that he's been seen. This is later on in the day. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And and when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But they saw him not. Then said Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. A lot of times, you know, that's us. We we, we have our Bible, we read it, but lots of times we think it's for somebody else. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now here's the key. When you start walking with Jesus, he'll start explaining stuff to you. When you walk with God, he will start to explain if you ask him. They said, we don't understand what's going on. And then Jesus started to explain stuff to them. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and made, and made um, sorry, as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us. For it is towards evening, and that day is far spent. And he went in and tarried with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread. The other thing, when you start to walk with Jesus, you'll have communion. If you could stand with me, you'll have communion. And here's the last thing that will happen when you walk with Jesus. Your eyes will be opened. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. Part-time Christians cannot defeat a full-time devil. We have to be walking with him. Amos 3.3 says this, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Except they be... You know, if you don't agree with someone, you don't even want to walk with them. Because you're going to be arguing the whole time. Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked, together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Amen? God is telling us that this road, sometimes you have to leave some stuff and some people behind. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to skip over a few things. I'm just going to end with this. Revelation 16, 15 says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. 
Revelation 21, 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their honor, their glory and honor into it. Amen. We've been studying what walking with God means today. Amen. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you have, have been encouraged that this is the way. Walk in it. There's not many ways to God. There is only one way. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what does he go on to say? I am the door, the truth, and the life. And if someone breaks in another way, he is what? Thief and a robber. Amen. We're going to close our Sunday school. I hope you've been blessed. Next week, I've got some more exciting parts of this about walking with God. Amen. Because this is such a big subject. And I hope that we will meditate upon this. And understand that to walk with God has so many blessings, has so many um, things that we can learn. God will open our eyes. He will explain things to us. He will direct our path. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence and anointing, your goodness and your grace. Lord, we ask you to help us to walk with you, to be faithful. Lord, to be in your image, to be people of the way, to lift up your name. Father, we just thank you for your presence and anointing. Be in our second service, Lord, in every aspect. Fill this sanctuary with your presence. Let there be an anointing that will break yokes. Let there be sanctification. Hallelujah. Let your spirit have liberty to touch, to bless, to uplift. Hallelujah. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Give God a praise offering this morning. Hallelujah.